This is TSFPN.com, the Sci-Fi Podcast Network. You found the best podcast in the universe. It's the 10th of November, 2005, and you're listening to The Secrets. Welcome to this podcast of The Secrets, the podcast for anyone who is serious about writing. The Secrets home can be found at www.stormwolf.com. For the next 15 minutes, we'll talk about writing and how to get you even closer to seeing your name on the spine of a book. Welcome to this ninth special edition of The Secrets. I'm sorry it's so late. I had a little trouble with the computer, which turned out to be no trouble at all, so that was good. And then I had to go out of town to the World Fantasy Convention. So I'm back from that, have things straightened out, so I have a chance to record this issue of The Secrets. This podcast is part two of my taking a look at editing. Last time I talked about how every author has a writer and an editor inside himself. Getting those two parts of his psyche to work together are vital if any work is going to get done at all. As with the last episode, part of what will be discussed here comes from questions that I've gotten over at the forums at the Sci-Fi Podcast Network, or TSFPN.com. Once you hit that page, just look for forums or click through to the Sci-Fi Podcast Network and you'll be there. I'm Michael Stackpole, a multiply published science fiction and fantasy novelist. Eight of my books hit the New York Times bestseller list, and my work is available in nine different languages. My latest book, Perchance to Dream, is a collection of short stories, including a story set in the world of my Dragon Crown Wars series of fantasy novels. The Secrets podcast is an audio companion to my writing newsletter, which is also called The Secrets. If you want to learn more about that newsletter, please head over to my homepage at www.stormwolf.com. There you can find some sample issues and information about subscribing. I've just finished a 13-part series on world building, and if you subscribe now, you'll get all the back issues that comprise that series. In what follows, I want to go over the nuts and bolts of how I edit stories. Editing, like writing, is a highly individual pursuit, so you may not do it my way. I've just found, for me, the methods I use let the editor in me do the work he's suited to doing and saves the work that only a writer can do for the writer. And if you think it's nuts for one individual to talk as if he's got two people in his skull, just wait until your characters gang up on you and start giving you an earful. Before I start on editing, however, permit me a brief rant about a trend among many beginning writers and even a few seasoned veterans. They fall prey to this, and it's really too bad. The trend is looking for or trying to use a formula for telling stories. As with gambling, there are lots of systems that someone swears will guarantee success. And, alas, if that were true, there would be no Las Vegas, and we'd all be Stephen King. The one system that gets touted the most is Joseph Campbell's Hero's Journey. I hear all sorts of writers talking about the hero's journey as if it's the end-all and be-all of fiction. Largely popularized because it's seen as the core of the Star Wars saga, and because of Campbell's appearance on PBS with Bill Moyers, the hero's journey is a holy grail a lot of folks start out with, thinking that once they fill in the blanks, they'll be set. It just isn't so. There's absolutely nothing wrong with Campbell's scholarship, but you have to remember one thing. His hero's journey is an average or a composite view of a story. If you analyze all sorts of heroic stories, these are the most common elements you'll find in them. That doesn't mean that all of the stories will contain all of the elements. 
Some will only contain a few, and a few will contain entirely different elements. I recall, back in 1998, going through the Smithsonian's Star Wars exhibit. The exhibit had been organized using the hero's journey as a blueprint, so it had big signs explaining each stage in the sequence. It was an impressive display. Now, this was a month before my novel I, Jedi was due out. As I toured the exhibit, I did some quick mental calculations. It worked out that my hero, Corrin Horn, actually hit all of the stages in the hero's journey, but didn't hit them in sequence. More importantly, I'd not read Campbell, so I wasn't following his blueprint, and yet I, Jedi is often touted as the best individual novel among Star Wars novels, and rarely is it out of the top five books in that genre when someone makes a list. You might ask how I hit all of Campbell's points if I'd not read him. It's simple. I've done a lot of reading in folklore books and folk tales that he read to create his thesis. I understand the old solar hero myth and how it's put together. I understand that any character has to face opposition and overcome it. Like the sun, he must journey through the night before he can emerge into day again. I know mentor characters can be invaluable to the journey. I know that any good story has a character who grows and changes. And, in addition to knowing what Campbell presents, I know a lot of the stuff he left out. All the extra material is part of the legacy of storytellers, and as a storyteller, I get to use all of it. Anyone who just relies on Campbell as a model is as silly as someone who reads The Lord of the Rings and decides to ape it as a model. Tolkien, being a folklorist, suggested certain elements to work into his story, and left others behind. If you choose to use a formula as a crutch, you'll only ever write stories that limp along. Sure, do the research into Campbell or any other system you want, but then put more into your stories. If you don't, you'll have a story that's just like all the other stories where the same system was employed. Push beyond systems. Challenge yourself to be really creative and you'll turn out a story that's extra special. It's not enough to write a story as good as someone else. It has to be better. Applying creativity first will get you there. Tight editing will push you further. Some of the information about editing that follows may seem obvious, but I've long since learned that there are lots of folks who see things the way I don't, and vice versa. And they see things I don't, and vice versa. Bear with me. Use what works for you, and discard what doesn't. In the past, I've noted you'll want to be making hard copy to edit on. There are lots of reasons for this, but one of the best is that it enables you to do your editing away from the computer. I found it's useful to get away from the computer because this becomes a mental cue that the writer's job is over and the editor should be on the job. Getting out of where you write to edit can also clear cobwebs and give you a new perspective on things. It's important to make sure you approach editing with the right mindset. The reason you edit is to make things better. If things on a page are great, don't touch them. It is entirely possible and completely okay if you whip through a dozen pages with no changes. In fact, that's great. Don't go back and look more closely. Just move on. If other changes you make cause you to make a few changes here, that's okay too. Just take pride in doing a good job the first time out of the box. In going over a story, I'll mark up changes in punctuation. I'll circle words that may or may not be misspelled to remind myself to check them. I'll read through sentences to see if they make sense. I know they did when I put them down, but sometimes a word gets left out here or there. The most notorious is the word not. Add one in or leave one out, and the meaning of a sentence shifts rather significantly.
Little bits of rewording are things that the editor will do with ease. I draw a lot of arrows to move sentences and phrases around to restructure paragraphs and sentences. I might add a line to a paragraph or strike out words. This is all called line editing, and it's meant to clarify the message to the readers. This sort of editing is dead common, and you'll be putting up with it throughout your career. Sometimes, however, you'll come to something that's a big hunk of words, and not something suited to the editor to work on. When I run into something like this, I'll use a bracket to indicate the text, or an arrow to show an insertion point, and then in the margin I'll write expand, or clarify, streamline, or reaction shot. Expand means that the amount of information on the page is insufficient, so I'll change the offending paragraph, add more stuff, and make sure it all flows together. Clarify means that what's ever on the page even confuses me, and I really ought to know what's going on there. Basically, I restructure things and simplify the text, so my intent is crystal clear. Often there are too many words or too many clauses, so cutting a few things here or breaking long sentences into a couple of shorter ones really works well. Quick tip. If you're running over 12 words in a sentence, you're asking your readers to work hard. That doesn't mean you can't have long sentences. It means that they have to be structured in a manner that won't cause confusion. You do want long sentences as well as short ones, and you want a mix of them in a way that makes the prose flow. Streamline just means that I've tossed too much information on the page, verging on the dreaded info dump. Usually you can clip a paragraph or two and introduce that information someplace else to convert it into a dialogue and have the reader learn it in the course of conversation between some characters. Streamline also applies to a place where you introduce a fact that you thought you were going to use later, but you never did. Now it's a loose thread, and while you might want to leave it in there, you won't need all the supporting material. For example, you might have a sentence that reads, And Angela went off with her newly woven basket to gather the first spring flowers, as all the girls of the village did once snow had retreated from the mountain peaks. That certainly works to tell us what Angela is doing. If you had a paragraph describing why she did it, because, say, local legend has it that the night haunts hated the scent of fresh flowers, or those flowers were supposed to promote prophetic dreams that would show the girl the face of her future lover, that would be fine, too, if you did something with that information in the future. If that whole prophetic dream thing gets squashed, or if you decide to do more with it and this application would trivialize the whole matter, then you cut the explanation there. Reaction shot is taken from movies. That's the quick look at the main character to get his or her reaction to whatever just happened on the film. It's useful in stories, too, because it grounds us back with the character. You can describe great battles, the rising of continents from the depth of the sea, or the arrival of gods in great pomp and circumstance. What locks that event into the narrative is the emotional response of a character. Sometimes, for me anyway, the exertion of doing all that description means I forget to examine how a character feels about it. I'll make the notation of reaction shot and move on. The emotional stuff will be added in in the rewrite. I make these sorts of notes because the editor knows there's a problem in the story at that point, but the solution is one that only the writer can provide. When it comes time for me to actually make the edits in the file, I make the little editorial changes just as they are on the page. Well, okay, maybe I do change them a bit. But it could be something that I've done in expanding other stuff that necessitates a change. When I get to the notes I've described, and you'll come up with your own labels for them, I'm sure, I give the writer free reign to make things better. 
One of the forum questions asked how you manage to turn the editor on and off. As noted above, I tend not to edit where I write, which is a big help. Second, I let the editor do the jobs he can, and then give the writer jobs he can do. For me, this arrangement lets each of them do what they're best to without getting tangled up with each other. Some folks might want to drink tea when they edit and coffee when they write, or use some other trick like that. I know this sounds like silliness, but you'll be surprised how quickly we all take comfort in those little rituals. Find one that works for you and use it. A lot of writers read their work out loud when editing, and that's a good idea if it works for you. I tend not to do that for a variety of reasons. I will read aloud a section that's been confusing to see if I fixed it correctly. I'll also run dialogue out loud to make sure it sounds right. In fact, I'm a bit more concerned about dialogue, but that's just me. One question that needs to be addressed is a good one. When is it okay to abandon grammar? About the only time I think that's permissible is in dialogue. The use of language in dialogue must reflect the character talking. I remember in the Dragon Crown War books, I had a copy editor who didn't like the fact that Will talked like an uneducated kid, and she often made corrections on the page. I struck those corrections and only changed his dialogue where the meaning was confused. The fact is, Will is an uneducated kid from the streets, so that's how he's going to speak. That means broken sentences, inexact word usage, contradictions, contractions, and the like. As long as the speech pattern is true to the character and consistent throughout the tale, I don't think there's a problem with bending the rules of grammar. Okay, I've gone over how I edit. Now I want to go over the things that you really need to pay attention to. These are the things you need to focus on in both telling your story and making sure that it works. First, spelling and grammar. I mentioned them in the last show, and I can't stress them enough. If your story is unintelligible, no one can read it or understand it. You'll have to render it readable before it's really a story. And if you find yourself saying that nobody understands what you're writing, you're just kidding yourself. Make it so people understand your job is to communicate. Second, character development through lines. You have to follow the story through any POV character's line and see if their development flows correctly. Is the change too gradual? Is a catalytic scene too weak to force the change? Or is the change too weak in response to the impetus for it? Does the character actually change and grow, or do we merely have situational blips of growth that don't stick? Since the character's growth is the heart of the story, you have to get this stuff right. Here's where you maintain emotional attachment between the readers and character. Lose them here, and the story is over. 3. Support descriptions and scenes. Make sure you include all the information we need to have in the story so the story stands on its own. This is especially important in stories or books set in an existing world. You must assume that your story is the first exposure for the readers to this world and to these characters, whether it's in someone else's franchise universe or your own. Again, the story's got to stand on its own. Give the reader what they need to know to make the story work, and not that much more. 4. Your weaknesses. Each of us has weaknesses and blind spots. Do your best to identify them and then work to fix them. Don't write around them. Read other authors who do what you can't and figure out how they do it. Employ their techniques to solve these problems. Failure to do this means you'll never come into your own as a writer. 
frank and even harsh self-assessment here is the key to planning on how you develop yourself into a better writer. By the same token, don't just trash yourself. You are going to get better. Give yourself the shot, but know where you need to do your work. Finally, number five, balance of pacing and payoff. You need to make sure the story has pacing and keeps moving. A bad sign that this is lacking is if you're yawning while you read it over. If the author is getting bored, you know the reader will be nine-tenths dead when he's reading it. If the story's too slow, toss in some dialogue or some action, or cut out long passages of description and introspection. If the story lacks emotional engagement, which should have been solved before this point, look at where you can add some reaction shots. Payoff balance is simple. If your story is just a long joke waiting for a punchline, it better be short. If the story is a long epic, the climax and growth better be stunning. Adjusting for length may be painful, but if you give the story an unbiased look, you'll find places where you might be able to trim words, a paragraph, or even a scene or two, and that'll make it all work. Ultimately, editing is not the big bugaboo many writers fear it is. They fear it because while they've been developing their skills as a writer, they've not been developing their skills as an editor. They also hate the fact that editing means more work, and a lot of folks like having written as opposed to writing. No one can blame them for that, but rest assured, making a story the best you possibly can feels even better. Editing it is the portal to that feeling. Embrace it, learn how to do it, and tag team your stories into perfection. I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope you find it useful and you'll now be able to make your stories really scream. Please feel free to share the secrets with other writers you know. Together we can raise the bar for writing, so not only do we get published more often, but we'll have even better stuff to read from others. This is Michael A. Stackpole for The Secrets. You can find out more about my writing newsletter at www.stormwolf.com, including getting some sample issues to look at. You can also find out more about my latest book, Perchance to Dream, by clicking on its cover there on the website's homepage. And by the way, that makes a great holiday gift. This podcast also has a discussion forum at www.tsfpn.com. Just click through to the forums. Please feel free to come over and ask questions and participate in the discussions about writing. I'm not sure what the next podcast is going to cover, so why don't you come over, hit the forums, make some suggestions, ask some questions. You tell me what you need covered, you'll give me a direction to go, and I'll hit it. This podcast is copyright 2005 by Michael A. Stackpole. I'll be back in a week or so with more about writing and working with words. Until then, good luck with your writing, and especially good luck to all the guys doing the National Novel Writing Month. Can't wait to see how that stuff turns out. See you in a week. This is Stephen R. Donaldson, author of The Last Chronicles of Tom's Covenant, and you're listening to the Sci-Fi Podcast Network.